don't give it like a the podcast platform of the finalist by Leopold Lambert. Today, the body of the flanner with Adler Guerrier. Hello everyone, uh, today my guest is uh, Adler Guerrier, uh, who's a, uh, an artist in Miami and um, uh, as, uh, as he said, uh, biographies are, are both uh, tricky and trivial so we won't spend too much time on it, but he's a Haitian-born artist and uh, uh, so who's been working in Miami for, for quite a long time now mm -hmm. and, um, and he, he has a and he's working in a small book called Scenes from a Burden Place. And uh, he will be uh, exhibited at uh, PAM, the, the, the new museum in, uh, in Miami, uh, the designed by Herzog and Demerel, in October 2014. Uh, hello, Adler. Hi. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time. And uh, we're going to mainly focus on one aspect of your work, uh, that is a photographic work. Uh, uh, um, uh, which has, I suppose, uh, several uh, declination of, of um, uh, along along the years, and that um, that uh, we can call the Flanner series. So mm -hmm. we're going we're gonna to talk about this this idea of a Flanner. Can you maybe introduce uh, this figure for us? Because you you've been you've been obviously thinking uh, about about this. Uh, this uh, this character for for quite a long time. So could you tell us what what is this flaner for you, please? Um, <coughs> for me, the flaner is this is this figure that walks. It's a figure that walks, and for the purpose of um, to gather knowledge. Um, the f the flaner is predominantly defined by text by Walter Benjamin um, as, as, as that, uh, a figure who walks about the city, in essence to, um, to speak and comment, criticize modernity, or and in essence the urban landscape or cityscape. Um, and for me, the Flanner come from that historical place, though in my own choice it it didn't it didn't necessarily begin in the historical place. I I came to merge <laughs> to that to that place. Yes. And uh, as as we were talking about when we were preparing this podcast, uh, 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 I think we we both agree on the fact that there's uh, we, we could say two generations, two historical generations of Flanner uh, the first one being uh, the the the, uh, the Walter Benjamin one, and um, and uh, that we can see maybe also in uh, in the writings of, of Baudelaire, Baudelaire or mm -hmm. the the French Romanticism, uh, probably the German one, I suppose as well. Uh, <coughs> and um, but there's also there's also uh, uh, almost a century later there's also the the figure of the flanners that's been. Uh, 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 Redefined by the situationist, and you told me uh, in the preparation that this this uh, this idea of the of the derive of the the, the drifter uh, also changed a lot of things within your work. So can you maybe tell us uh, why? 
Um, right. Um, for me, the the situation has introduced um, contemporary tools to the Flanners. Um, aimlessness or seeming aimlessness I should say um, the derive drift and also detourne which is the other strong tools are critical tools um, in in the hands of the situationists they are tools to both gather knowledge uh, um sort of um, dissect, process, and give back. Um, in essence, it makes the flounder a lot more active than just a drifter wanderer. Um, the parallel as well for me for the flounder along the line with the situationist mirrored the depiction of such character in Hollywood films. That was also interesting. Uh, your nameless drifter character, Bess, portrayed uh, multiple times by Clint Eastwood in, in Spaghetti Westerns, whose uh, motives aren't clear, um, who go happens to walk into a small town, sniff qu- pretty quickly, deciphers opportunity, deciphers the players, deciphers the situation, and in essence, define his role in it and engages and leaves. That is, within a within a contained narrative, that is very beautiful. Um, and that is, I think, one of the aspects that makes the Flanner more of a narrative trope, in essence, even a tool to, to do all those things that Hollywood have done with a nameless character portrait by Clint Eastwood, and that it's uh, it's didactic. I mean, dialectic to the story, dialectic to the place and the situation. Um, knowledge is is quickly processed, and the opportunity to contribute to the situation is is also very present. Now, those contributions, you know, play. I mean, within the stories, they vary, but it can be as nihilistic to the situation or even totally um, uh, uh, benevolent. Um, it runs a gamut. Um, I think it also presents this character almost outside of... I'm not totally sure, but it's almost outside moral structures in a way because they are... Yeah, they can be antagonist and protagonist simultaneously. Um, that's 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 been the way for me that makes the Flanner as an interesting character. Um, it implies a body that walks. It implies a body that covers a map. So there's a cartographic reference. It apply um, there becomes places of interest um, that are connected with, in essence, knowledge that is built narrative development or even existential ones like the flyer recognizing something of within his or her body and that's a that's a side note as well about this idea of the flyer being predominantly male but um that becomes a great way to approach uh, 
a larger, <coughs> a larger geography and attempt to make sense of it. Um, it implies, at least for me, that we can't surface treatment is not enough. We have to go a little deeper or quite physically walk a couple more feet to to get a different vantage point and to pass through and to see. So that's that's what I like about the Flanner. And 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 the similar narrative structure as well, the Flanner seems to be like a detective in that sense. It's one that seems to ask really great question. I mean, I think a lot of noir films replicate uh, the same structure where, for some reason, a character doesn't remember who he is because of a crime or amne- temporary amnesia. And this development of of how knowledge comes back to this character, how this character managed to move about the city, the dark projection of lines that film noir does beautifully, the hierarchies of bright places where people gather and versus darker places where people scheme. Um, Those are beautiful things for me. Those are this idea that the telling of a place is sinuous and it goes up and down in a way. It it disrupts monumental monumentality that is you know dominant it can go toward the peripheral and even even uh, dissenting views of a place to actually tell a bigger picture those are the complexities for me that the flanner the flanner bring just by being which is actually at the end is the most in- interesting thing it's, it's just by being there by going there by mapping by uh touching those nodes along the map that 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 knowledge is built and the opportunity to shape to contribute comes into play well for, for the first time in this project i I'm, I'm, i regret very much that uh this is only audio and not video because <laughs> your your body does a lot of uh, does a lot of gesture that's funny while while you're speaking so i think it would have been worth it to show it but um i have i have many questions based on on what you just said and i i hope i will manage to structure them in such a way that uh, the listeners will will be uh not lost in in those But um, was, uh, since since you referred uh, the flanner as pre- predominantly male, it made me think of this book I recently read, uh, uh, which is unfortunately has not been translated in English. But this book by Christine Barr, that's called uh, "Une Histoire Politique du Pantalon," mm-hmm. so, uh, uh, political history of trouser, trousers, and how sh- she explained that precisely in the, in uh, during uh, Romanticism. Uh, uh, one thing that was that would uh, prevent women from uh, the yes activity of uh, flannery uh, uh, be beyond the, the social uh, obligations. Let's say was also just the the, the clothing, which right. would, it's would restriction. <laughs> yeah, would 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 not allow them. So she's she's quoting she's she's describing the the biography a bit of uh, of Georges Sand as being one of the first women who was. Uh, flaneur uh, and uh, she she would she would do so by wearing uh, trousers which obviously yeah. at that time was uh, highly problematic and uh, continued to be for a very long time um, 
until until now probably uh, um, but um, okay so I have another question actually which is about some things that I never thought about which is uh, Clint Eastwood being nameless you say oh Clint yeah and so, I think in um Oh my God, I'm trying to remember which one per se. But there are several. His character doesn't even have a name. Mm. It's it's, a, it's it's very interesting because I, I I can I can put that in relation to the fact that you told me that in uh, in those uh, final series of photographs that you made, um, you are the body uh, that appears on those photographs because you, I mean, on a technical level, I, th I, I think you. You have a camera behind you taking the photo for you. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. uh, but but you also told me that it was it was you, but somehow it was not very important that it was your own body. It could could have been another one. So it brings me back to the idea of nameless and and to this question of like does does the body of the flanner uh, uh, matter or or is the flannery more uh, predominant? No, but you talked earlier also about phenomenology. Never can. It's always tough. Yeah, it's very tough. And I'm wondering if if the if yeah, I'm wondering what is the what is the status of the body of the flanner based on those observations. Right. For me, the thought the thought begun out of the convenience of what we had already established. It was um, actually begun by taking these sort of walks, and then I realized, oh, I can photograph them. <laughs> and that would add an interesting layer of reference, um, partly because the photography becomes a document mm. um, outside of of other documents could could have been great, which you know, which are literary in, in turn, but I'm a visual artist, so photography was my immediate tool. And and um, so how important is the body within within that? And how, how important is there a recognized body? Um, so for a long time, I, I think my audience only saw me within those pictures more than I would actually like them to see. And for me, I like this pseudonymous, not not anonymous, clearly, because it's really difficult to be anonymous. Um, even in the pre-Snowden era, right, it was always very difficult to be anonymous. Um, um, but pseudonymity allowed for that flexibility, in essence. If the city is seen, if is chapters well neighborhoods or scenes as I titled my book my book if different scenes within the city are established along a path every time this body of the flanner enters one the flanner doesn't necessarily have to be seen or more than likely wouldn't be seen but within those scenes by the other viewers within that room within that volume within that space as the same figure. So just by random, random aspect. So one person might recognize text on the shirt of the person, like, hey, you're from blah, 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 even though the text might be a random, a random thing. 
another person might recognize, hey, don't you, you look like my cousin or whatever. Um, so in essence, because every time this body enters a scene and is recognized or not, the, that potential read may be different. Now, as a black man living in the United States in an era where uh, black men, the portrayal of black men is was really standardized, I have to acknowledge that there were some general consist- consistencies on how I was viewed. But how I was viewed isn't necessarily, um, for me, the dominant narrative. How I want to be portrayed and how I'm presenting myself, I think, predominates, which is why I love, I love the situationist idea of detourné, um, that implies what is thrown, what, what I've gathered isn't necessarily what I'm giving back for various reasons. Um, so, so for me, in other to view spaces and to read the image, that image both built by city or the image both that I am framing within my photograph, um, with its most potential, I have to move toward that pseudonymous position that I believe makes the play even more interesting. Um, as a side note, um, uh, an interesting book uh, was for me to read was um, Paul Losser's New York Stories, where in one of his, in I don't remember which one, but in one of them, where he, Paul Oster's character named Paul Oster, mm. <laughs> becomes for a moment a writer detective walking about, being homeless, gathering knowledge, making lists. Um, that, that is great because not only he begins as Paul Oster novelist is telling us about a character named Paul Oster who, who is, is also a writer within a story that writer becomes detective. Um, that fluidity in what the character can potentially be to advance the story being told, for me, is that is that position that I really love. It's kind of a hard one, I must admit, within the visual arts. We read photography with great um, weight, in a way. Um, we read photography we, within the belief of photos. It boils down to that. We see it, we read photography as documents. We see it, we we want to date it, we want to know who it is, and it, we read it as a document. And it's kind of natural to do that. But photography is still an image. Photography is still, I mean, this image has fluidity on how it is read. And for me, that was why the bodies within and the image itself had to be viewed in a synonymous manner, which is mostly why in the Flanders series they are shot from the back, uh, distance, and et cetera, et cetera. It becomes a silhouette that can be filled, et cetera. And so if this idea of nameless body in itself becomes an actor and become in itself it is a trope for narration, we can both strip it I mean, oh well, let me rephrase. Before we strip it, we can see it within a historicized view, which, you know, Flanner being discussed by French and German writers. So we can both see it as a westernized European intellectual thing, 
or we cannot. So we can strip it from that historicity and view it as as depicted, a black body within within a Miami landscape and New York landscape, um, Haitian-born, etc. if you know the biography or not, or just a black man walking around. And that has its own connotation, especially the darker images where I'm walking at night. Um, Miami had especially... Uh, sort of a spectacularly exploited um, image problem with uh, with crime in the 90s. Um, but also, we can even strip gender from this character so that even though it's just me being the Flannero so far, but the Flannero so far hasn't been... Um, there's no prescription for gender. There's no the prescription in essence is for the action and the possibility of knowledge. It's a possibility of expansion of self in context of that projection of city and that relationship. So um to acknowledge the uh Le Pantalon the <laughs> uh, George Sand. Um so yeah, so for me, that's 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 what makes the Flanner a really key, a key tool. Um, it's it, it for me, it always represented a possibility, and a possibility that is not necessarily prescribed. Now, there's another thing about the Flanner that I have to I have to also say. So, Haitians use the word Flanner all the time, and. In Haitian parlance, all it really means is a young man of age, I'll say, I'll say late teens, early 20s, who walks around the neighborhood, he's social, talks to different people, makes sure to say hello. And in essence, it it still represents that. It represents someone who's come of age, who, who seems to... Uh, who's bound, no longer limited to the house that they live in. But they can go around the neighborhood, make friends in the distant end of the neighborhood. It's talk and talk about soccer under the trees or whatever. And it still represented that figure. In essence, um, uh, it still represents a figure against a landscape that is an urbanized landscape and, and a sort of like projection of of uh, knowledge and looseness and freeness, freedom in a way. Um, and um, oh, there's one more thing to that. And and that figure, in essence, I mean, as much as in the light of day, we see him. Oh, this is this nice kid who walks around and says hello. It's not. It doesn't preclude that figure to be less than benevolent as well. Um, even though I know, I don't know that from my own history, that's the way it's viewed, but within the larger context of what a flaneur is, it doesn't preclude that from, it's the same kid that we all like who does bad things when when it's dark or whatever. So um, my original um, knowledge of an idea of what the flaneur is come from my own biography that <laughs> I mentioned is trivial earlier, but um, isn't always. There's knowledge in one's biography. It just doesn't really come out easily or it doesn't always come out um, when we need it. It tends to come out much later with introspection. Hmm. 
Well, it's interesting because if we if we go back to the film noir uh, that uh, has a lot to do with romanticism, uh-huh. and, and I mean, it's quite it's quite easy to understand that when we read uh, Edgar Allan Poe for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and you were talking about this uh, this figure of the of the amne- amnesic, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking that it's it's quite a, a very literal, very easy figure to to embody the the person who's uh, the body that is in in on the quest for knowledge right. because because that's by definition the body that forgot everything exactly. So, so I'm I'm thinking of your of your younger eighteen years old planner. Uh, and I'm thinking that uh, it's it's interesting how the the notion of initi- initiation as well has uh, as based on what you're saying has a lot to do with it, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost a right. Most definitely, it's um, for the young man is coming to coming to the adult world and and the sort of uh, what it means to be social and living in the in, in the adult world. You acknowledge. Others, you um, you share jokes, you share tidbits about the news, mm. talk about the weather, and 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 um, while simultaneously not necessarily go into deep into other people's personal lives in in essence, right? Because it, it's that social, almost street street level conversation, and within the film noir amnesiac, who the it's both. Is similarly the same. It's like I don't know who I am. I need to also. I need to know who I am. I need to know where this place is. I need to know who you, who y'all are. That's immediately around me. So the the knowledge of self and the knowledge of others and the knowledge of place is, yeah, it's it's totally integrated within that one sort of act of gathering. Mm. Um. I'd like to talk with you about the notion you, a notion you mentioned before, which is the notion of cartography, and and maybe to make a, uh, a bridge with another podcast I did, and, and I have to say I'm very happy to, to start having enough podcasts to be able to make bridges. Uh-huh. But uh, with uh, Lucia Rallon Oyarsun, we we talked about the body, uh, we talked about cartography, um, not only. Uh, the cartography as I mean to to try to demystify the idea that cartography was an objective document and to rather to, to uh, embrace yes, the subjectivity yes. of it, mm-hmm. uh, but also she's particularly interested in, in uh, how uh, uh, whether in fiction or in in, in reality uh, we are able to cartograph space with uh, and I, I like to this neologism of the verb to ca- to cartograph, which I don't think is, is grammatically <laughs> correct, but uh, it's it's a beautiful action to cartograph. So to cartograph with one's body, um, and I think that's exactly what you're doing with your with your Flanner series. But I, I want to hear more uh, about that. And and uh, as a as a side note or not, I don't know. You'll tell me. But uh, I did notice that both of you share uh, a fascination for uh, the invisible man. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, so this idea of cartography uh, com- comes from a sort of like a abstract projection, which is what all maps are in a way. Yeah, they're really subjective, and and I guess um, really good maps shows the the cartographer's bias, and you're aware of it, and you use it for those terms. So. That's why I like old maps and the you know 
and to view them with what's noted and what's clearly left out, that type of thing. Um, so if the flounder walks and aimlessly, or, uh, which is that which doesn't mean randomly, um, it just means with no destination. Uh, it's possible that there are forces on the path of the flaneur that has come to shape that that walk. Um, so it would be unfortunate if the flaneur just walked in a straight line. <laughs> you know, mm. the flaneur just headed east and just went east forever and that will be convenient for Mr. Houseman, who provided great straight lines mm. for every funnel. Actually, it's easier in the American cities than the European cities. I know. To do this. So. <laughs> I know. Um, Edmund, are you familiar with Edmund White's book on no, Oh, I'm Edmund not. White uh, wrote a nice little book on Flanner. We'll, we'll put it in the yeah. bibliography of the page. Um, and and it, he talks about. I think he mentioned in one place that he talks about that this old man who's like, he's like, you can't make, you can't have a flounder in Paris anymore. All the old good senior streets are gone. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, so if the flounder's path is shaped by forces that are larger than itself, and if we were to take the arrow perspective or bird's eye view of that path, we can even deduce that there are points on the map that have shaped. So why did the Flanderer turn right at this intersection? Why did the Flanderer linger at this one point for a little bit and totally jump the across the street at this spot to go see this other thing? That's for me, builds a cartography, a map that is of interest. There will be a line on this map that is in itself is an abstraction of a whole sort of gathering of knowledge, a discourse between body and place. Um, that's where I really like. That's where I think the connection to the Flatner is really of, of interest. I, f I phrased it as nodes, uh, points on the map, that are either visible. There's a giant tree on this sidewalk, and someone was coming, and they the, said Flatner crossed the street because... It was going to be a block. He didn't want to do that. He didn't want to inconvenience them. So giant tree becomes a node. Um, giant tree who's even the street itself curves around that tree. You know, the tree is 500 years old. You know, that type of thing. So that's that's an easy one. And it may be of significance or maybe not of significance. It allows this node to take on the similar abstraction that the path of Flanner takes, especially in relationship to city and place. So the street could have been there so long that whole neighborhoods have grown around it. You know, um, people gather around it, people fall in love in it, people meet there, meet me by the tree at five o'clock, that type of thing. And those sort of like narrative layers that help build a place for me is of interest. And I think there's kind of like discoveries that makes any place interesting, which is another thing about the Flaneur, in essence. The Flaneur, I believe, by definition, refuses the sort of like promotional um, urban campaign to tell you, Miami is a great place, come on visit. In essence, the Flaneur will say, any pocket on the map of this globe is of interest. 
We just have to walk it. We just have to find that knowledge yeah. within it of interest. But anyway. The flanner would say, what is Miami? Exactly. I don't even know. I don't. The, you're just selling me a, a picture to tell me to come here. I'm going to go to the other route. I'll go through Fort Lauderdale before I come through here or whatever. Um, so those nodes are... I mean, on the natural one being, you know, a giant rock or a giant tree is one of them. But another one could just be, you know, a favorite bakery is down that street. And the flannel lingered because the flannel, like a human, like anybody, requires nutrition and sustenance. So the lingering happened because this is the best bakery in, in this particular neighborhood. And hey, while you're here, a pain chocolat is good for the heart. Um, or it could just be... A, interesting splatter of paint that's on the sidewalk and that is noteworthy um and that that becomes then that begins to take on graphic terms um that are that are interesting for me because i also do works on paper that are non-photographic and i think that sort of referencing marks always in relationship to each other against the field is kind of like modernist painting. It's a kind of like concern for modernist painting anyway. Um, and I like the fact that I can uh, source an abstraction from a real place, from at least a projected path on a real place to mirror what's happening on a painting. Um, so so that's, what, that's the relationship then to cartography in essence. If we don't read a map as a as necessarily a guide on how to sail from from Cape Verde to Port-au-Prince but we see well that's too straight of a line <laughs> but but we see you know dot 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 on one side of the paper blue ocean with sinuous figure for you know dragons and serpent and then Nothing, and then dot 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 on the other side of the map, then we 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 are quite literally projecting an idea of what place can potentially be, but that yet to be confirmed, and yet a walk, a travel, is uh, uh, is the is the is a, what's the word here companion uh, guide to the projection that is the map that can confirm that. Um, or quite the other way around we've done the walk we've done the travel and the work the drawing the the photos and sequence and grouping relationship to each other itself um, projects the potential a potential read of what the walk was that was actually done in, in life in, in real life um, that's where for me cartography comes into play it's a it's a relationship of the nodes that are in on the map mm -hmm. on the globe and those nodes are yeah i like them to be both of great real value to people and also of great potential abstraction mm -hmm. from you know a big tree a tree that is good to rest under to the bakery that happened to be in the intersection of Smith and Oak or whatever. Mm. So, yeah. And I should have started by saying that um, 
part of this series of photographs we're talking about also includes those those markers now in your work. So you're you're taking as much of photos uh, we were first describing of of your body uh, 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 being a flanner, but also those those not as well. And uh, maybe to try to paraphrase what you told me before we started recording about that you were you were comparing those notes to something that um, uh, are very easily understood, which is their the little uh, the little stone markers uh, uh, on the Via Romana. Uh, oh in, yes, yes, yes. Via Adrian, Adrian way. Oh well, the, the via, <laughs> via Adriana, Via Romana. I mean, all all the all all, all the streets leads to Rome, right? Uh, so, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. But so just 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 to explain for people who don't see what we're talking about, but those little piece of stones that would say is, that would uh, uh, create a metric system. Uh, uh, that is all referred to the very center of Rome as being the the points of reference, and uh, and there's something incredibly uh, incredibly powerful in terms of the poetics it creates in in thinking that all those nodes that you're talking about, as there are the trees, there's there the bakeries, there or or the little uh, splash of paint on the on the ground. Uh, without without having the language of like saying you are uh, that much distance from uh, the place that you you want to consider as a reference, uh, hold holding them this uh, this semiotic somehow. Right, so. right. Um, what we talked about earlier is when I first introduced this idea of nodes is that I I reference yeah the markers on. On Roman roads that both reference, you know, this road would lead you this way to Rome and that way to your Roman-founded city or at least Roman-elaborated city. <laughs> um, and in essence, those markers, every single one of them, always had that uh, uh, referential, at least relative language to both empire, in essence, you. Uh, if you're lucky to be a citizen of the empire, <laughs> and but also your ability to travel and what's off the roads, you know, bar- barbarian to the to the east or just packs of wolves to the west, you know, um, and, and that and it, it makes it, I mean, that particular read is almost, you know, it's almost video game like, right? It's like traveling and in, in the Roman Empire had had in a way safe path that were clearly marked that have reference to guide um and in places that were not that were not in the empire and you take your life in your own hand if you go to those places and but it didn't have to the read doesn't always have to be in this and the idea was that there are actual physical objects that serve very little purpose in life other than to be a marker a dot, in essence, and, and a dot that has meaning, that a dot that can take on, well, an empty signifier that one can add meaning to, I guess, is, is the proper term. And, and so, yeah, and so when I say, in essence, but, oh, well, there's something top-down about that as well, you know. It's the empire, they want to keep you in line, etc. But what if your references is, is not so monumental? What if your references is 
in essence, to bring another line of thought that really influences the situation is, what if your references are every day? And it's, the everyday reference wouldn't be so grand. The everyday reference would be the rock with moss on it, the paint on the sidewalk that is yet to be changed or that's been there for months. Um, and so that everydayness of it all is really enriching. It, it allows for um, one's connection to place to be uh, to be made on one's own term. And I, I think I like that. In essence, one of the other things I said, we mentioned earlier about biography being trivial, that is the trivialness of it. I didn't choose to be born in Haiti. So as much as it is a way to describe who I am, but eh, it wasn't my choice. I can tell you the artwork I make is my choice. I'm, I'm, it is an easier and more welcome description of who I am by the action that I've took. Um, and that's why I like that aspect of, in essence, biography. You know, I think the once you recognize someone for what they have done as, you know, what they choose to have done in essence, that is an acknowledgement of their worth, of their value, of how they spend their time versus to the accident that they had no control. The acknowledgement of that, it's, it becomes less and less for me. So in essence, even though I know it's, it plays its role because we are human, you know, the fact that we're male, the fact that we are white, the fact that we are born with a big name, we we respond to that. But in essence, it's because there are easy points to respond to that it is harder to acknowledge someone for their work that they've done because it requires you to actually read their novel <laughs> or see their artwork, and that requires time, et cetera. So. Well, I suppose that's, that's a very similar... Uh, uh Thing with with the the Roman uh, the Roman markers and the more which are truly universal and and have this universality uh, applied to it is that uh, because the semiotic is extremely explicit about it yeah whereas the tree is actually much more uh, 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 personal and immanent so it's, I, I suppose that's that's the same game of uh, of uh, between the two of the semiotic of the body and the semiotic of the marker. Isn't it's it? a, exactly one of them. One of them seems to be externally conferred. The value is externally conferred by a system that is clearly outside of the experience of the body, or even predates the, the uh, emergence of the body. And whereas one and the other seems to be. Uh, mirrors the progression of of a realized body, a realized life, on in in essence. So, yeah, um, the latter allows the possibility of of the self to, to become to actu- to actualize, and how all that has been gathered around comes to help shape that, right? And yeah, so tree means nothing to you the tree means a lot to me um so in essence yeah i mean that that brings in a, an interesting thing as well so if place then if place then is um primarily understood and viewed from that standpoint it's like this is my territory i live here i grew up here all these streets means a lot to me 
and you'll say, ah, place, that is a place that no one is using. I'm going to cut down these trees. I'm going to build condos or whatever. That's sort of like, I mean, in essence, there's truth in those two views. But there's clearly also a clash in those two views that place is, that same place is seen by different people on different value system. In essence, the class that then we, we tend to see more often as human has to do with an implication of a value system that itself doesn't consider the other value system. And, and that's when, you know, things happen. <laughs> well, Adler, it's, it's, uh, it's great to, to do a podcast with you because you even managed to, to conclude the conversation without having me to do it. <laughs> so, that, so that's perfect. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Adler. And uh, I, I suppose the only thing I regret about this conversation is that we did not do it while walking. But, uh, ah, well... I think it's really hard to have really good conversation while you walk. Yeah. Oh, unless you really walk really slow, though. Yeah. And the flanner may be a solitary figure anyway. I think it is, yeah. actually. I think that's why it's such a literary thing that is reported mm. more often than it is um, gone along. I mean, you know, I, I've seen kind of like, you've seen kind of like uh, images or video of uh, filmic work that attempt to bring you along but it's so prescribed <laughs> you know camera a cameraman isn't as fluid as someone with no camera <laughs> mm -hmm. that's for sure yeah thank you so much Adler. you're very welcome thank you